From Lubbock Community Theater, this is Five Till Places. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Lubbock Community Theater's Five Till Places. I am Jed. I am Heather. I am Charlie. And once again, we've got another guest in with us today. Guest, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about yourself? Okay, um, my name is Danielle Delisle. Um, I have done community theater around Lubbock for the past nine years, nine or ten years. I've done about nine shows here. Um, I've been in Harvey, Passion Play, The Shining Lives, Clue, Julius Caesar, a whole bunch of them. My most recent show I was in was The Shadowbox. Uh, last year with Will of the Wind Productions, and we did it at the Luca. Um, I am also a writer. I write fiction, and I write for role-playing games. Uh, that's Role-playing games is the focus of the actual writing that I do that's out there. Um, I've written for Conan uh, IP. I've written for 7C. I've written for Dishonored um, when they made a role-playing game based off the game. Um, I've done lots of stuff um, with, I freelance, work with tons of different companies. And so that's what I do. Do you do, you do like, you write rule stuff or do you write mod, adventure modules or? All of it. Um, I've done rules. I've done setting. I've done adventure modules. Um, I've done, I've done all of it. I am currently actually the, uh, the lead writer and co-creator of Ironbound Guardians and Novella. So for the first time, I'm actually taking the helm and actually uh, kind of directing the whole thing and creating it. So nice. that's awesome. Um, oh, I also have a podcast. Most of my fiction that I do, not RPG stuff, is based in horror. So I also have a podcast, um, Tell Us What's in the Box, and we're a casual huh. podcast where yes, um, just picture Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always will, you can tell me to do that anytime. And it's just, <laughs> just picture Brad Pitt. Um, and um, we are a casual horror podcast and we discuss relationships in horror media, movie, video games, comic books, and literature. So I met Di uh, Danielle. She played my daughter in Harvey. That was the first time I ever got to uh, meet and hang out with, um, which was a total blast. We were with Randall Rapstein, who has a like mile-long resume as well with professional work. Um, I already okay. I told everybody in the beginning that this is definitely not necessarily my forte. I am. I'm. I wish I was more uh, into gaming and RPG. I'm total I mean, poser. We can, we can fix that. We can, we can change <laughs> that. It's I will tell you. So there was. There was. I tried to do it before to impress a guy, and this guy was like one of the writers on like the volume two handbook or something like that. And that was one of my first little taste. And as an artist, I did love drawing all of the characters. So like I had some fairies and some warlocks and stuff like that. And I loved delving into it for the artistic aspect of it. So that was just my little mini, mini thing. Mm. Yeah, we were kind of talking briefly before we started recording about how the Venn diagram between role-playing games and theater nerds should overlap a lot more than it does. And it's kind of surprising that it doesn't overlap more. It, like, it, 
doesn't me actually i mean the origins of dungeons and dragons like quite honestly the um the the acting and theater and character aspect of rpg kind of came in later the original mm-hmm. origins of dnd they were actually wargaming yeah. Um, you know, and stuff like that. So it wasn't really about character or story or anything like that. It was like, we need a way that we can, you know, simulate battles and stuff like that without having to have all these miniatures and stuff. So they created, so the theater came later. I agree with you that it really should overlap now. Yeah. But um, basically the old school D&D people, they're not... <laughs> theater yeah. people they were yeah. word gaming people the original yeah. D, you died way too often to have a character have a story for any length of time yeah i mean those <laughs> first go in there it's first edition yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. well i mean second edition even is still my wife has spent a decade trying to explain faco to me uh and i was just like <laughs> I after a while I was like, stop trying to explain it to me. I don't understand why you would play this when it's Well, what's really great is that theater people did realize, you know, over the years and the decades that RPGs have been around. Um, which by the way, started with HG Wells was actually the first person to start wargaming. gaming. So we can actually attribute yes. the beginning of gaming to HG Wells. Um, that I have read, yeah. Who I share a birthday with, so it's better. Very special. Yes. <laughs> but it's my two loves, H.G. Wells, and I share a birthday with Stephen King. So horror and gaming and, yeah. and writing, it all comes together. So, um, but yeah, like so, eventually people started realizing that oh, it's not just the battle aspect and leveling up and all of this stuff, but we can actually tell stories. We can actually, you know, use theater of the mind is what we call it. Um, you know, when you're role-playing, which, you know, theater, role-playing, theater of the mm-hmm. mind is what we call it. Um, when we don't use miniatures or anything like that, you're just simply describing what's going on and what you're doing. We call it theater of the mind. And eventually people started realizing that you could tell more stories that way, not just battles, but you could tell you know, actual stories. And that's where the acting part comes into it. Um, So, you know, there's whole stories out there um, that people have that nobody's privy to because they kind of told them at their tables, you know, really epic tales. So, so eventually, yeah, yeah, acting did come into it. That's kind of to have like a club, like I think it would be cool to have a workshop or a class that's about character development that's kind of helmed in the D&D or role play game world. I think that that sounds really interesting. It's like writer prompts or uh, mm-hmm. games, theater games, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds really Yeah, because that's what I've, how I've described it to people is that it's part uh, strategy tactics game and then part improv theater. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those two things kind of. And the great thing about it too is that if you have a penchant more for one than the other, then your group can cater to that. Like we'll have groups that just want to fight and do tactics all day. And you'll have other groups who just want to do yeah. a role play session role play, with yeah. no battle, you know, or, or, and then others have really balanced mixtures of that. And it's, and there are different games. I mean, everyone yeah, goes yeah. to D and D because that's the one that people where it's know. Kind of, well, um, it's kind of, well, kind of where the idea But there are so many, and there's so many that don't have rules so much. Um, They really are more like, 
um, you know, improv game games. I mean, like ones where you just use three six-sided die instead of like the really specialty dice that D&D uses. I've played ones that use cards. I've used ones that played tarot decks. I've used ones that use coins. I've, you know, there's all sorts. Um, um, one game that I worked on, Sins of the Father by Third Eye Games, they use a deck of cards, like regular playing cards. And that's how you do stuff in the game. So there's so many, and they run the gamut from really hefty strategy ones, like D&D, Rifts, you know, all these it's ones. Rifts is that, what I was about to say, yeah. yeah <laughs> that are just really heavy. If you want to do trigonometry to see whether or not yeah. you hit, then... Yeah, old you play some Pathfinder? Yeah, that is not my court. <laughs> well, but that's the thing is you you have the systems that are super intensively rules heavy, and then you have other systems that are just designed to unpack yeah. and go. Which I love. And One then of the, yeah. oh, you can ahead. even customize these to fit your own taste beyond mm -hmm. beyond just what comes in the box. You know, it's right. And then on the other end, for anybody listening to this, who's like, I'm a theater person, I would like to do RPGs. There's like a lot of RPGs that are very story heavy based that are very much, you know, it's about your character development. It's about your character arc. It's about all of that stuff. There's definitely systems like that. Um, one that I worked on, um, it's called 7C. And it's basically swashbuckling with magic. So think like, um, you know, Errol Flynn, Three Musketeers, basically every country in Europe at the height of their renaissance, but magic. <laughs> and it's amazing and it's fun. And that game is totally based around building a character, building a hero. And so all the systems that are in that game are built towards that. Um, you actually get in that game um, you get drama die is what we call them, drama die. And so if you do something really cool in the game, like, you know, you give some spinning comeback to a villain or you just swing on a chandelier or dagger ride down a sailor, just something really cool. The person running the game can be like, that was really awesome. You get a drama die. So you get the drama die for doing really cool stuff in the game that you can use for, for your roles later. So it encourages you to act and to role play and stuff. There's, yeah, there's there's a similar mechanic in the uh, most recent edition of D&D &D as well that where there's, uh -huh. and now it's blanking out of my brain, but there is a thing that specifically- just, inspiration. It's inspiration. Well, inspiration, that's what it was, yeah. There, I mean, advantage and disadvantage can be awarded that way too, but I was thinking specifically of inspiration where the DM just likes yeah. something you did and the inspiration is just there for the DM to dole out as they see fit. Mm -hmm based on what the players do to reward yeah, which you for I, Which I wouldn't be surprised if they conscripted from other games, but I'm just saying. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but They're yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's acting and RPG works. I mean, I run it, I run a game every week. Um, and so I run it. So I'm the one that's running. I have three players and I'm the one that's running all the characters, all the NPCs, all the characters that they run into. And there's so many and they all have different personalities. So every week I do this, I'm practicing my acting because I have to act as all of these NPCs. You know, I've got Josie, the really hoity-toity Ventry, but then I've got Christian, the, the kind of fashion designer. And then I've got, you know, all these, just all these characters that my players want to talk to. So you switch in and out and you constantly have to, 
you know, switch and, and, you know, be in different characters um, during, uh, we usually go about four or five hours. So within that four or five hours, I will have changed characters. I don't even know how many yeah. times, like, they'll be like, I want to talk to this person. I want to talk to this person. So you you're, you're everyone that they're fighting is what like you're. Yeah. Each player is their person. And then the DM is literally everyone else Everybody in else. the world. <laughs> so there's a level of this that sounds so freaking appealing. And then there's like, oh my God, four hours. What? I can't, I don't know how to do anything for four hours. You think that because you haven't done it. That's true. That's true. You, get, you get on stage and act for two and a half it's the same thing yeah. it's mm -hmm. it, it it i mean and of course there are breaks in there to get food and go to the bathroom and things like that mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. a lot of time D, &D sessions go for hours upon hours I, I not just D, &D sessions, role-playing sessions in general will go for hours because you sit down and you start telling your story and having your adventure and you just get caught up in it and you mm -hmm. go and yeah, and then it and then it's midnight, and here. <laughs> but it's I mean, uh. And, and, and made me fall fall in love with it again. It made me want to go do it again. I will say that watching Stranger Things brought it back oh, yeah. to my. And they're playing AD and D get back in yeah, they 1984. Are. Yeah. The Demogorgon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, AD &D, old school. Yeah. Yeah, that had a lot of old school stuff in it. Their font was based off the old Stephen King font from back yep, in yep. the day. Um, all sorts of Stephen King references and stuff in there um, as well. Wow. But yeah, D&D &D references, like, yeah, for sure. I took everyone back, whoever played it in the 80s, you know. But, and I also think that one smaller aspect, um, you know, yes, there's the improving aspect part of when you're role-playing. You know, you're having to improv off the cuff. You don't have lines. You know, you're having to just be in character but it also teaches you to give and take um, on the stage. Mm -hmm. When you're an actor, you have to give and take to your scene partner. You know, whoever's on stage with you, you have to allow them to do their stuff and shine and, and work and build it together. And in a lot of ways, that's what you're doing in D&D in and other role-playing games as well when you're telling a story. You have, to, you have to allow the other players to shine. You have to allow them to build up their scenes so they can shine and be really cool and give and take. You know, it's the yes and and no but that we sometimes talk about in theater. So you definitely have those players that don't do that. And you're like, oh, you're not coming back next week or kill them <laughs> off real fast. Like, don't give them enough initiative or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say that you necessarily have, like, because role playing can be hard for someone to, to uh, get their head around, particularly if they don't come from an acting background. So those kind of players, you can just kind of coax and teach. And I also, like, I've always had a habit of, 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 I want to make each player comfortable. So it's like role play to the ability that you are comfortable. Like someone at the table may want to be in character the whole time and walk up to the bartender and be like, oh, good wench, bring me a flag and a veil and things like that. And other people might feel real silly doing that. And so they just may just want to say, my character goes up and orders a, a mug of ale and sits mm -hmm. down you know and it's there's room for both of that at you know at at the table it's the only players you really get rid, rid of are the ones i think who are just like purposefully disruptive yeah i mean you do have those players who sometimes can try to take over 
Um, yes. Sometimes, and you know, they'll always try to steal the spotlight from people. Not like any of us have ever known actors who might have no, tendencies no, to no, do no. that or been on stage never, like ever. <laughs> where you're just like, come on, dude. <laughs> also, never story, done this that, is, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am. I've never hammed it up on stage. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, there's hamming it up, and then choices, and then there's choices. Yeah, there's there's hamming it up, and then there's literally derailing everything because yeah. you have what you want and nobody else's yeah because it's a collab what it is is an exercise in collaborative storytelling mm -hmm. that's what it that, that's the absolutely whole love goal. Yeah, yeah i love that's that it's it's relationship building on top of character development and that's mm -hmm. what i think is at the core of when you're talking about acting or you're putting on a show it is that you're reacting to something it's your relationship to the people to the audience to the story to their experiences i think this makes me even love rpg more mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean it's the same issue i mean because when you get down to it yeah collaborative storytelling and that's what we do on the stage too that's what you're doing at the rpg table and that's what you're doing on stage too you're yeah. telling a story um you know, and everybody has to work together to make that happen. You know, if you have somebody who's, you know, trying to just force things to go their way or, you know, not working together or something like that, then you run into problems. So, you know, not only that, but just like theater, theater, when you're in theater, it does teach those social skills as well. Um, it teaches you how to, you know, interact with people and work with people and be a team player if you're in a play we all know this you know if you have a part in a play you're part of a team you have your part to play you have you know your job to do everybody else does and everybody works together to make sure that that, that happens and the show is good and the same thing happens with an rpg everybody has a responsibility to come and ensure everybody has fun and ensure that you know it's not just one person's show and ensure that everybody's contributing and it's everybody's story it's the same sort of principles in rpg as it is on the stage it's the same sort of thing yeah. for sure so so i mean do you do you all find that Oh yeah, well, it, it, it'd be like if you're putting on a play with, and the director is also the playwright, but he's also left a good portion of the story open to see what the actors contribute to it as well. And you're all mm -hmm. writing the show as you go. Yeah. It's kind of how it. And I find that there are times when I played RPGs where those moments were so real or so vivid that like, I still remember, you know, those times that we, fought giant sea serpents or whatever and couldn't stay still on a boat or you know whatever was happening at the time like those moments stay with me just as much as any like play or musical I've ever done or any moment I've had with theater people like granted I've, I've usually been playing D&D &D or other games with theater people so it, there's there's that overlap but um yeah it's it's very collaborative. It's very working together. It's very much team building exercise. I've heard of uh, companies that have their uh, employees go out and play D&D &D mm -hmm. together to, to mm -hmm. work, you know, and build together and have some kind of shared experience like that. Like, you know, sending them to an escape room or something like that, but instead they go and play Dungeons and Dragons for, you know, five hours. Because, because that trips the, trips the same wires and flips the same switches as being an actor 
and putting on a production does it's definitely yeah. and it's a lot safer too you know because you yeah. don't you don't like you said you can just say well my character goes up to this person and says this thing like you don't have to put on an accent and go you know nuts or whatever you can just you don't have to wear a silly robe to the table like if you want to have at it sure. but you don't you don't have to i've never seen that actually i don't no, see the people <laughs> No, it's always portrayed that way, and I'm like, when is that ever? Never yeah, nobody in... does that. No, <laughs> yeah. but like I said, I've I've had games where at, at the same table we have a person who is fully in character, speaking in character the whole time, and another one, a person at the same table in the same game, just says that, just wants to say, yeah. you know, all right, I I I am going to do this thing. My character is doing this, and ask this person about this information, and. Mm -hmm. It's all yeah. it's all about your level of comfort and it's yeah. it's really nice as a forgetful player to like uh go up to another NPC non-player character or something and just be like so my character tells you all about that event that happened 2 months yeah. ago in game or, or like 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 yeah you 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 you've just gone off for a a, a sidebar with with another character the DM is running and none of the other characters are there, but the players are obviously there watching this happen. So you just walk back and say, okay, I relay all that back to you guys because <laughs> there's yeah. no point in us role-playing out, repeating yeah. what... Although you can, because doing. maybe your character doesn't tell them everything. Oh, that's maybe true. Maybe not. Had, we had that like, happen. Do you tell them everything? Okay. I had, yes, I do. Or, or I tell them everything but this. Or One of whatever. my very first D&D &D games, I was playing a rogue, and I had some characters. There's a lot out there of, of, of people expect certain classes to be played certain ways, and mm -hmm. that absolutely doesn't have to be that way. It's absolutely a misconception but i had people like my rogue was sneaky and i was playing a rogue because i wanted someone who was sneaky and who could do archery and do all these things but they were all assuming that because i was a rogue i had to be uh fast and loose with the truth and out for myself and and this kind yeah. of thing and uh they got fussed at me for playing not playing more selfishly that way the way rogues are supposed to be mm. so what I did was later on, uh, I was scouring through this dungeon while they were staying back waiting for me. And I found this massive hoard of treasure. And the DM was fine. Like, There's something like 300,000 gold pieces here. And you can fit about two thirds of that in this bag of holding that you have, which is a bag with basically an extra dimension in it. Mm -hmm. So you can carry tons and tons of things in this little yep. bag. So as you, you're able to scoop like, you know, 150,000 gold pieces in here. And so I went back to my party who had all watched this and held it up and said, I just found 50,000 gold pieces to split amongst <laughs> the truth. And they stopped fussing at me for playing, uh, not playing selfishly <laughs> enough after I did that. But. Yeah, but it's funny, you know, because, you know, acting people, we would, I think we, because we love character and being in character and, and I mean, which, I mean, which is more fun to play someone who goes against type or someone who doesn't, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. Or some, someone who doesn't go, who doesn't go against type or someone who does, you know, I, and you, know, you have the kind of tropey characters and stuff like that in shows sometimes or in plays mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, we all have Some... serve our purpose, but we would rather play the more interesting character. Yeah. And that happens in D&D, &D too. You'll find that theater people will probably end up, you know, if they're playing D&D, &D, will end up coming with more interesting, you know, combinations, like you know. The, the, the 
dumb grunting can't barely spell half orc barbarian has been done five hundred thousand times. Uh -huh. Like can we do something new with the with the concept, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. so you know, like I said, it's it's really interesting and, and something, you know, too. I mean, we've talked about, you know, of course, the improv acting aspect, which is obvious and, you know, learning how to give and take and work as a team. And I think the other thing is because you've mentioned people that, yeah, there are a variety of people. There's the real actors, the thespians who really get into it. And then there's those who don't and they're all okay. But something that's good is is that those people who don't can learn to be more confident. You know, being in an RPG is is a safe space to, you know, try it, you know, to maybe, you know, try a little voice or, you know, say something in character. You know, it's a safe yeah. space because you're just at the table. You're not in front of an audience. You know, you're you're just with your friends, you know. And I, as long love as you have a good... yeah, I love that. Everyone else at this table is big a nerd as you are. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, you know, so, so, you know, if you're not confident, or you have a friend that's not confident, you know, theater does that for people too, you know, theater builds your confidence as well, because you have to get out there and you have to do your thing. And you have to be confident doing it, you know, even if you're not really inside, right. even if you're like going, Oh, my God, what am I doing? Everybody's looking at me. <laughs> I've been doing theater since I was seven years old. And I still feel that way every time I get out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a good way that if you have that to like have a safe space at the RPG table to, you know, okay. practice and be more confident, just like theater does, you know, and maybe eventually your dual show or something like that, you know, but it's a good way to build that confidence too, to like try to try on being somebody else or something, you know, for a little while, yeah. you know. And then running a game, I think is especially, because we've talked a lot about, uh, ways that playing as a player intersects with theater life and everything but running a game also intersects in completely well similar but very different ways like it's um if you're a writerly type like then running the game is is an, is an exceptionally good exercise for you because like we've talked about how players play their one character and have that one aspect of the story to control you as the as the gm or dm or whatever depending on which you know game you're playing are in charge of every other character that the characters are going to come in contact with me it uh someone random person they stop to in in the streets of the town the ultimate villain they're fighting every monster they encounter in the woods you are everyone and you are building this world and building this story like D and D and these other systems will often come with a, like there is the forgotten realms that fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons is largely set in. And the fourth edition was set in their points of light setting. And th mm -hmm. there, there are these worlds that exist and you can build stories in those worlds or you can start from scratch and use these rules and these kind of basic character ideas and build a whole new world to tell yeah. whole new stories in. Yeah. We call those that, homebrew settings. Yeah. You know, somebody makes their own, makes their own settings and those can be really fun. And yeah, I'm a writer too. So, you know, that definitely hones my writing skills mm -hmm. for, you know, pacing and, 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 you know, in a way when you're, when you're in it like that, either when you're a character and a player and you're trying to think through what your character would do, mm -hmm. or, you know, you're the GM and you're just kind of running through the whole world of what's happening because of what the players are doing. Um, this helps you as an actor.
character because when you read the play for the first time, let's say, you know, you audition for this play um, and, you know, you get a part, yay, you know, and so now you're reading the play the way through the first time, you're not familiar with it. You know, you use those skills you used in RPG for stuff like that to sit there and say, oh, okay, I see why this character does that. It, it gives you that, that kind of meta sense because you've been playing a character in, in RPG or you've been running characters in RPG to then add those kind of thought processes to your acting or vice versa or taking your acting experience with getting into character and building a character um, into your RPG stuff. I mean, as actors, you know, I'm sure we've all at some point as an actor sat there and said, well, my character has this, you know, physical, you know, tick that they do, or they have, you know, they wear these certain kinds of things or, or, you know, they, they talk with this certain accent or they, they talk loudly or they talk more softly or, or they're always doing this or the other thing, character quirks, you know. And you put those when you're developing your character, you kind of create that when you're doing your character, the pitch, the tone of your voice and stuff like that and what it conveys. And you can take all of that and put it into your RPG character as well, or your NPCs, you know? And, uh, you know, in talking improv acting, you were talking about the, the storyteller doing all the NPCs and everything. Nothing is so disconcerting and you want to talk about improv acting is when you have this bar setting or something and, and you're in a place and you know that there's some characters that the players could talk to they don't want to talk to any of them they want to talk to the dude over in the corner who's picking his nose who you have no idea you know you haven't planned for where you were putting it there just for flavor and now all of a sudden you have to play this guy because they want to go over and talk to him and you're just yeah. like okay you know you don't even have a name for this npc you don't have anything and all of a sudden you got to pull out for nowhere yeah. that's improv <laughs> and you were talking about um the different storytelling aspects as well and uh, adjusting for for pacing and uh and, and and all the aspects of creating a story that that's constantly in flux too which is a whole different exercise than just it, it's like again it's like workshopping your show every week where you, you will start off with your story and then you'll play a session and then you'll realize some things that worked or some things that didn't work. And so you'll adjust it and you'll come and play, play the next session and you'll adjust more. And your story is going to adjust both. You're going to make planned adjustments between sessions and you're going to make on the fly adjustments in the middle of sessions mm -hmm. because your players will do everything possible except what you have designed them to do in story. You will design everything to gear them towards going to explore this tower on the edge of town where you have a surprise hidden for them and they will do everything except go to the tower. They will yeah. ignore the tower and, and you will have to change everything around. And it's, yeah. so it, it's, yeah. it's- Sun Tzu once all, said- All aspects uh, of it keep you on your creative toes. Exactly. Uh, Sun Tzu in the Honor War once said, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Right. And, <laughs> or with your players. Or with your players. <laughs> and, and that's really, that's really the philosophy that I take. And actually, personally, I stopped years and years ago um, trying to play to the players and trying to guess what they're doing. Um, there's no way to do it. <laughs> there's no way to do it. 
So, and what I have found and my games really developed and my story kind of developed um, when I started thinking in terms of, you know what, I don't have to worry about what the players are doing. I'm not worried about that. So what I normally do when I'm planning for a session is I will write down all the NPCs, right? I'll just write down all the names of them. I have a list. And then for each session, I'll just write down what they're doing and how they feel about it. And, you know, how they feel about the events that have happened so far, what information they might have. And that's it. Then no matter where the players go, I know exactly what the character they're talking to knows. I know what they're doing and that's it. So I try not to plan for what I'm expecting to happen. I put an event in place and then really I just kind of go forward with the NPCs and what they're doing. I never actually put the uh, players into that equation about what they might or might not do. Uh, because like I said, over the years, they're just not going to do that. They're just not going to do what you expect them. All to do. I know is that from here on out, I'm putting the art of war in all of my director notes, and <laughs> letters from the director in the programs. I'm totally <laughs> quote quoting art of war from now on. And it's going to be part of my, my syllabus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can definitely, I mean, it's the same thing with acting. I mean, I use that phrase all the time when I'm talking about running a game, but it's the same for a show too. You know, no show survives contact with the actors because you mm -hmm. never know what's going to happen. You have the lines and you have everything. And, and even if you're casting something, I imagine, I've never casted a show. I'm more of a stage person. But I imagine when you're casting, it's like, you know, you're watching them audition or something. And you have this concept of like what it might be like. You know, when you're trying to put people in their mm -hmm. roles and stuff like that. And then when it finally comes together, it's just not how you picture the show coming together, but it's better. It's yeah. usually better. And that's most the of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Someone will get up there and surprise you with some choices that you're like, oh, I need that energy in this show. Oh, or absolutely. these people I wasn't even thinking about have these amazing chemistry and I have to use that. And yeah. Yeah. actually always a reason that I don't like to go in pre-cast. Now, I may have some good ideas and be like, okay, yeah, I'm probably going to use this person or I could totally see this person doing it. But I'm never telling someone they have a role or I'm not pre-casting until I see what comes out because you never know. Mm -hmm. You may have an idea that this person would be really good in this role, but then you start getting the rest of the cast put together and realize this person's not good for this role with this group of people yeah. you know or it's it's yeah it's and it's the same thing you know in games too you know you may sit there and picture oh the players are totally going to do this that or the other thing you know they're totally going to do that that's totally how it's going to work out and they then won't. it doesn't and it won't you know so there's just lots of uh, it's just like any creative endeavor you know you kind of put it together and and it kind of just becomes this organic you know, thing on its own, you know, and, and we've all felt, I think, when we've done a show and we've done it well and we know it and, you know, you're there taking your bow and you know everybody nailed it and you know you were really good, um, you know, even if it's only for two seconds before the imposter syndrome catch, kicks in, right. at least for me. It's like, wow, I did really good. And then two seconds later, you're like, well, maybe. But um, <laughs> every time, every Yeah, time. every time. But, you know, yeah. in your... <laughs> we all need to play a game together is what I'm hearing. We <laughs> what we need to do is I'm a so side down. podcast, a side podcast where we run a, a game and then put that out in a separate feed as like three little bonus episodes where... 
Yeah. That's Ooh. funny. I will let y'all handle that portion of it. <laughs> but it's it's the same thing. You know, you get up there after a show and you're taking your bow and, you know, people are applauding and, you know, you feel like you did a good job and there's just that energy with everybody, right? It's like this, this energy that you've created. It's not just yours, but it's everybody on the stage and you're kind of sharing it with them. And the same thing happens at a gaming table when you have a really good session. Everything is just working. Everybody's playing their characters. Epic things happen. And it's that same energy that gets raised. You know, it's that same, you know, bonded energy of just everybody working together. And you're kind of forever bonded by that energy. You know, I mean, just like, you know, um, actors will go, oh, remember when we were in this show together and this happened and it was so funny or, you know, and that's, they were so great this happened and the same thing happens in gaming things you know with gaming sessions you know remember when we did this remember when we did that you know that was so cool the same stuff happens it's it's the same we have adventures that we went on a dozen years ago that we still talk about as just memorable that's awesome great yeah I have I have stuff from college you know and and whatever that you know my friends still 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 talk about you know or brings up to me actually just the other day i posted something about um i posted a meme that was going around facebook that was um if we've done theater together share a favorite memory Mm -hmm. um you know if we've done theater together and one of my friends didn't do theater with me but we did larping we did live action role play which is basically Mm -hmm. like improv acting and he said well larping counts you know and it really does so we talked about this thing that happened when we were in college, when we were role-playing, you know, and it was just a moment between our characters and stuff like that. And so, you know, that stuff happens, you know, it, it overlaps. It really, really does. I encourage every actor to, um, to try, try role-playing, to try yeah. it, you know, find, there's so many, I mean, you could do any kind of game you wanted. I mean, you could do modern urban fantasy. You oh, yeah. Could the, the, oh, yeah. You could do horror. There's... You could do cutesy anime mm-hmm. stuff. You could do superheroes. You could do, I mean, anything you want. I mean, you could do, I'm sure there's a game out there for it. What would, so. you, uh, what would you recommend to people wanting to get started? Uh, what would they have to do? Like, where, where should they look? Well, if you want to... Um, get started i mean we here in lubbock we do have a great gaming store matt hatter's house of games and he does have rpgs and stuff there so you know you can always go and look and hatter's pretty great but if you just wanted to like look online and look for stuff i actually don't recommend people start with dnd um i i you know it's the one kind of everybody knows and everyone wants to start with but i feel like if you're a story person and that's what attracts you to it, D&D might be a little bit uh, much to learn. Uh, it does have that learning intimidation factor of what you do when, you know, oh, I have to roll this for this. I have this bonus. I have this advantage. I have this disadvantage. I have this, that, and the other thing. And it can be overwhelming for people who yes. just want to do a story for certain people. Um, so I, I usually I that- tend to... It has to depend a lot on, on the group you're playing with as well, too. Because right. for that reason, I've tried very hard to make groups that I'm running very new player friendly. Like, let, 
but we're going to focus on story. I'll tell you how to build your character. Don't worry if you don't remember all the rules. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask me questions if you don't remember. And you will learn the rules by immersion in the game. You, you won't know them all at first, and I'm not expecting you to, but as we go, the more you do it, the more it'll like, oh yeah, I know what to do here. Yeah, for sure. So if someone's going to start, um, you know, role-playing, I usually recommend something like 7C, um, which is, like I said, it's super easy to learn how to play it. It doesn't have a lot of complicated rules the way it works. Um, it's really just like a dice pool, either success or fail, super yeah, easy yeah. to just add it up and, and know what you're doing no matter what. Um, it's pretty intuitive. And I like it because it does encourage uh, character development. You pick backgrounds for your character that actually do influence stuff um, and, and all this stuff. So I definitely um, would recommend something like 7C. Um, if you if you're into kind of want kind of a D and D setting, I would recommend something like Dungeon World, which is a bit more streamlined. Yeah, um, Dungeon World I, is pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty great, and it's pretty easy for people to grasp, you know. And hey, for for I mean, who one of us actors? does not like look at TV shows and movies and like look mm -hmm. at the characters and be like, I want to play that or I want to do that. Well, hey, good news. There are tons of RPGs based on movies and TV shows. You want to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah. There is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer RPG. Why, whatever yes, yes, I do, Danielle. Whatever <laughs> franchise you're a fan of, there's probably an RPG out there of it. Yep. Star Trek, actually, I wrote an adventure for the Star Trek um, Adventures role-playing game. It? Mm -hmm. It's going to be out next year, just plugging that real quick. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I wrote an adventure for the Modifius for their Star Trek Adventures line, which is a great, it's, it's very Star Trek in that it does take a while to get because it's complicated, but they really did a good job of making you feel like <laughs> you're a crew, on, crew member on Star Trek. You know, I always wanted to be bones i always wanted to be dr mccoy like he was my favorite in the original series um so you know i, I and, and then star trek ones will have different rule sets for like do you want to play tos era do you want to play enterprise yep. era do you want to play next generation era do you want to you know it's like yep. what do you want to do it's all <laughs> i've got some friends if i could plug them they have a uh, they actually have a podcast called warp factor 1d6 where they are playing Star Trek adventures. Sweet. Game, Ooh, so maybe it's... they'll pay my adventure one day. Yeah, when I made it, I really wanted something that was not the typical Star Trek thing that kind of dealt with other aspects of being a crew member in Starfleet. Yeah. So I'd like to think I accomplished that a little bit. It's a little bit more on the diplomacy kind of side rather than the exploration and conflict kind of thing it's more on diplomatic mission kind of thing um so can you say what the adventure is called so we will be on the lookout for it or um yeah it's called illusionary politics for for star trek adventures yes for star trek adventures right it is and there and actually according to your thing yeah there are different rules for like if you want to play this adventure in original series era or if you want to play it in next generation era as well but yeah there's star wars uh, babylon 5 uh dune 
uh, I mean, God, I, I can't even, I mean, pretty much anything that you could think, any TV show that you can think of would, would has, you know, a role-playing game um, yeah. with it. Yeah, pretty much. I have the mark. I have the Buffy the Vampire Slayer you mark. Do. <laughs> I am supposed to be of the lineage. I'm just saying. Yes. But you can totally do that. Um, play play Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We actually have it. Um, but um, there's zombie apocalypse games. There's, there's uh, a, My wife has some of the rule books that I haven't played it yet. I've been wanting to because she's got the books and we want to check it out. But there's a, one called <laughs> Deadlands. That is uh, Deadlands is the old West, but what if there were also demons and zombies and monsters? Yes. And it's like, Oh my God, I have to play this. It was God. There's Dresden files and doctor who. So like, if you're into that and you always wanted to try your hand at doing that, RPGs is a great way to kind of like live vicariously as an actor and, you know, play with those characters and stories. Yeah. There's all, there's, like I said, there, there's all these systems that are just are their own thing with their own settings, and then there's all these other systems that are adapted uh, from existing IPs. There's Marvel and DC role-playing games, but there are also role-playing systems that are just generic superheroes that aren't tied to any of the existing universes. Yeah, I actually um, played Aberrant. I actually just ran a game of Aberrant last mm-hmm. year. Um, which is White Wolf's version of a superhero game. And it's old. I mean, we're talking before Marvel Universe. I mean, yeah. it's 1999. Yeah. Which was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and I still have my copy of it. And, you know, you want to play a superhero. That's kind of great because the best games, the, in my opinion, the best games really support the theme that they're going for, um, you know, the rules will support the type of game and theme that that is. If it's a superhero game, the theme will, the mechanics and everything like that will support that, mm-hmm. you know? And and it's just like with, with, you know, acting too. You know, if you have the right actors and everything, the play supports the acting, the acting supports the play, and everything just kind of works together because you know um you know you you all are kind of working towards that that one that one goal or one theme that this is what we want to do and everything supports that the costuming the lights and everything when you're doing a play and in a rpg it would be the mechanics you know i mean because it wouldn't help if you're doing like a dark and dreary play you know a very serious kind of gritty play and then you've got all these bright pink lights and stuff, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, a set that just doesn't fit, you know, it all kind of has to work together for what you're trying to do. And that's the same with any RPG system. You know, if you're playing a superhero game, then the mechanics and everything like that should kind of support what that's doing. If you're playing a Star Wars game, it should report, it should support that feeling of being in Star Wars and being a Jedi or being a mercenary or whatever it is you want to play in the Star Wars universe, you know. And then we've also done like just mixing and matching. We're like, we have this idea or we want to play in a world like this and we find a system that that exists for that and then get into playing and realize we don't really like this system a lot. So let's just take D20 Modern and adapt it to this thing we want to do. You know, I mean, it's yeah, you can for sure. There's definitely chop it up um, and make it fit whatever you want it to do. 
Yeah, there's definitely like universal systems out there that are basically, uh, you know, mechanics, like you were saying, D20 Modern, and mm. there's Pip Worlds, and there's Fate, and there's GURPS, and everything, which all have, you know, basic rules that you can then just apply to like whatever. They're meant to be universal and kind of apply to whatever type of thing you're doing. You know, if, if like y'all just read a book and there isn't an RPG, but you kind of want to play something like that, just pick a universal system or something and go for it. Go for it. You know, and go for it and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, Some only of that limit- sounds like an alien language. GURP and GARPS and GURPS. GURPS yeah, that stands for um, General Universal Role Playing System. It's an acronym. I and it's am just- learning so much at this particular podcast. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, and it just all fits together, just like any creative endeavor. And I think people underestimate. I mean, the really sad part is you were talking about how, you know, acting and, you know, doesn't overlap with role-playing as much as you think it should. And, you know, I think it's one of those things there where people don't realize how much creativity and Mm -hmm. how much effort goes into role-playing games. You know, to a lot of people who don't know what it is, it's just, you know, you're throwing dice or or whatever. And they don't see how much of a creative outlet that is just as much as as theater is just as much as writing is role playing is just as much a creative forum and a creative pastime as any one of those things yeah i was just gonna say we've even got to the point where there are people who are professional uh dungeon masters who make their Mm -hmm. living by going and getting paid to run games for people you know i mean it's just like anything else, you know, just any yeah. creative endeavor. But a lot of people don't see RPGs, whatever impression they get of it from media or whatever, they just don't see it as the creative outlet that it really is. So, and that's a shame. I mean, I would, I would encourage anyone who's interested in art, you know, whether it be theater or writing or anything or acting um, to, to give it a try. You know, and I do say that sometimes it often depends on the group that you find as well. I know people who get, who get into a group that just is not good. They have a toxic GM or they have toxic players in mm-hmm. there or they're doing completely something the person's not interested in. That's their impression of role-playing games. Yeah. And I always try to tell people that role-playing can be whatever you want it to be that one experience is not the experience yeah you it's know like when I, you've you've been on stage in a show that didn't have a great cast yeah. so you you that doesn't wreck your entire experience of theater you just realize yeah oh, that was not you know or stuff happens thing. you know the director is mm-hmm. bad or or you know stuff happens and it's just not a great experience you know um, you know, but it doesn't turn you off to theater because, you know, every show is different. It's a different. And that happens. Show. That happens a lot. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for stopping by. Um, we're going to make sure we include a link to your podcast as well. Um, you've got some great projects that you're constantly working on. I don't think I've ever met a professional yeah. writer in RPG. Yeah, I, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. if do you if you want to take a second to to plug some things before we where, where they can find your podcast some other stuff you're working on yeah um my website is com. it's pretty easy to remember my first and last name.com and 
So I have all my writing on there. Um, the most current RPG I'm working on is Ironbound Guardians of Nova Outlet. It's witches versus machines. Um, and it's, it's basically um, witches uh, taking a world where paganism, nature, all of that is kind of the dominant kind of belief and way of life. And then these kind of people who have all these machines and stuff come in. So it's kind of a struggle between uh, sustainability and consumerism, good versus evil, life versus death, and and you know we call witches versus machines, and and that's kind of the basis of it. You know, this world is in trouble. This very nap play characters who are trying to save it. I took a lot of inspiration since I'm the one doing the setting. I took a lot of inspiration from Ghibli movies, Labyrinth, The Dark Crystal, um, and all those kind of. Yeah, kind of movies. So, um, and that's the big thing I'm working on. And I have my podcast, Tell Us What's in the Box um, at Podbean. And we're also on Stitcher and Apple and everything like that. And we are a casual horror podcast that talks about relationships and horror as well. And that's what I've been up to lately. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. And then we'll put links to all of that in the show notes as well to make sure people can find it. But yeah, so this was invigorating for me, at least. I've been in a huge uh, slump lately of, like, missing playing and really wanting to play. And, it, I, like, that's been – this kind of thing has been in the forefront of my brain lately. So Which, by the way, yes, Jedediah, meet Danielle. Jedediah has just yeah. moved to the Lubbock area and definitely could probably use plugging into some new groups. So. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah I've – I, I've I've been all like I need to play again. I have uh, just just sitting at the table fondling my. Yeah, dice, we so. had a, yeah. we had a group um, that met at our house. We actually, yeah, this is how this is how big of nerds that we are. My husband and I, when we first moved into our house, we met role playing. Actually, that's how I met my husband. Um, we played Call of Cthulhu. So, um, but uh, we have one of those gaming tables. That has the the slider things and the we thing want, at the bottom with the maps. We want one. We don't have the space for it, but we want one really bad. It, it's pretty sweet. So yeah. we had an in person group, and we were playing, and um, yeah, then then pandemic happened, so we haven't been able to meet in person. But um, I do have an online game that I'm doing too, so it is possible. It yeah. depends on how comfortable you are doing theater of the mind, you know, just kind of describing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's worked pretty well for us. We are doing Vampire the Masquerade from mm. White Wolf. Good old 90s feel. So. The, the, oh, man. The, there are few things more 90s than Vampire the Vampire Masquerade. Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> truth, 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 truth. Imagine but, yeah, so. Anne Rice chugging a Red Bull and or a Mountain Dew. That's, that's Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, it's super fun. I, I, I call up uh, Let's Dress Up and Act Petty. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, but right, that was the choice. I love so you both so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love you both. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll go ahead and sign off because we could probably sit here and talk about this uh, and make you guys listen to us talk about this for the next three hours. <laughs> but people have lives and things to do. We understand. So thank you, everyone, for being with us. I want to thank our guest. I want to thank my co-hosts. On behalf of all of us and of Lubbock Community Theater, this has been Five Till Places. Thank, thank you. Five. Thank you, Five.
Until Places is a production of Lubbock Community Theater. Special thanks to our guest this week, Danielle Delisle. Head to DanielleDelisle.com to keep tabs with her fiction writing as well as her work across countless role-playing games. Find links to what she's already published and keep tabs on what she's working on next. That's Danielle Delisle, D-E-L-I-S-L-E dot com. You can also search her podcast, Tell Us What's in the Box, a casual look at relationships in the horror genre, by searching Tell Us What's in the Box on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Our theme music is Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points. Links to these artists and their work can be found in the show notes. Look them up and show them some support. Thanks for being with us this week, and as always, thank you for supporting live theater in the Lubbock, Texas area and beyond. (laughs) 